Thanks for joining us for another podcast from the youth team at Ballygown Presbyterian Church. Today's podcast is taken from our 2020 Digital Youth Weekend Vision. In today's podcast, Lynn Gibson, who is a youth pastor at Belfast City Vineyard, shares with us around that theme. Super excited to be sharing with you guys at your Digital Youth Weekend 2020. I'm going to be sharing with you tonight and also on Sunday night. And I know that some of you guys will have seen me around before and some of you will not have seen me before. And so I'm going to start off by telling you a little bit about me. But before we get to that bit, I just want to make sure that you're all prepared and ready um, for tonight's talk. So if you haven't already, make sure you have a notebook, you have a pen to jot down some ideas, have your Bible handy, just in case you want to look up the scripture that we are going to be focusing on. And also, I would love it if you could have your phone handy. You see, we're going to be interacting in this talk and I just want to make sure that you are able to take part in some of the polls and some of the questions that we're going to be throwing at you. So make sure you've got your phone with Instagram handy because we're going to be using that from time to time. So let's find out a little bit about me. Some of you guys might think that you know an awful lot about me but I have decided to give you three things that you might not know or things that only my close friends know. So the first thing is, is that I love Lego. I collect Lego. In fact, if you walk into my house, you will not be able to avoid the sheer amount of bricks that are in my house. I have thousands upon thousands of bricks. Um, and in fact, I'm able to say that I have built three out of the five biggest Legos available to buy. I love Lego. So the second thing that I would like to tell you is, is, although I am the youth pastor at Belfast City Vineyard, that is not what I wanted to be whenever I was a teenager. I actually loved theatre and I loved drama and I loved the theatrics around that. And so whenever I was some of your ages, I actually wanted to grow up and work on stage and on screen. And so I'm not qualified um, for youth work, I actually have a degree in set design and then I, over the years, have got qualified in ministry and in youth work. And the third thing that I would like you to know about me is, is that I love peanut butter. Seriously guys, you slot peanut butter onto any food and I will eat it. I love peanut butter. Donuts, sandwiches, chocolate, mwah! I absolutely adore peanut butter. So those are three things about me and some of them might be interesting. I tried to make them interesting um, and they're things that I don't really mind people knowing. They're quite fun, interesting things about me. But I'm now going to tell you three more things about me. But this time only two of them are going to be true and one of them is going to be fake news it's going to be an absolute lie and i would like you to try and figure out if which one you think is not true about me and so over on instagram on your instagram stories on ballygown youth insta page 
there is going to be a, um, a poll where you can vote for which you think is not true. So make sure you've got the app up and running so that you're able to vote for which one you think is not true. Are you ready? Okay, let's get the first, the first fact, or maybe not fact about me. Okay. So number one, <sighs> I have a slight teeny weeny phobia of Henry the Hoover. You know that little red vacuum cleaner that most churches and quite a lot of households have? The little red hoover with the eyes that follow you no matter what part of the room you're in. Yeah, I can't cope with Henry the Hoover. Massive fear. Forget what I said earlier on about it being a slight teeny weeny fear. Massive phobia. Genuinely find it hard to walk into your room if I know that there's a little red Henry in the room, can't cope, massive fear, can't, I can't, actually, Andrew, is there a Henry in here? No. Oh good, phew, okay, good, Henry, it's all good, um, I'm Henry free in Ballygown Presbyterian, so it's all good. So that's my first one, petrified of Henry the Hoover. The second thing that I have for you, which might be true, might be false, is, is that I have a comfort blanket. Um, and I can't sleep without it. It's like a, it's like a big face cloth material type thing and I drape it over my pillow at night and then I'm able to um, lie in bed at night with my little comfort blanket. And I can't, like, if I don't have that, I will not sleep, I will not settle. I really need my comfort blanket. In fact, not so long ago, um, I was in Egypt on holiday and the cleaners thought that it was one of their old rags that they would clean with and so they took it from our hotel room and um, disposed of it because it was so manky and dirty um, and whenever I realised that I cried like for days I was so upset I was 27 whenever that happened um, but yeah I have a comfort blanket and I absolutely love my comfort blanket this third, yeah, we're on to number three now. The number three fact about me is, is that I don't like mushrooms. Hear them, can't have them anywhere near me. I don't like the smell of them. I don't like the look of them, the touch of them. Ugh, can't do it, the taste of them. Really don't like mushrooms. They are pure grim, don't like them. Um, in fact, I dislike mushrooms so much that I just tell people I'm allergic to mushrooms. I tell people that I can't have them. I am absolutely allergic to them. And I let on that the allergy is quite a severe one so that I can be absolutely sure that there is no mushrooms in my meal. In fact, a couple of months ago, I went to visit my best friend and she made us a meal. And upon serving it onto the table, so she'd already cooked the meal, we discovered that there was mushrooms in it. And I made her cook an entire meal from scratch. I wouldn't pick out the mushrooms because um, I was allergic. So those are my three facts. The first one, phobia of a vacuum cleaner. Henry, to be precise. The second one is that I sleep with a comfort blanket. And the third one is, is that I have a fake 
allergy to mushrooms because I dislike them so much. It is up to you now. Head over to Instagram and you can vote for which you think is the lie. And actually, whenever you place your vote, it will automatically tell you if you're right or if you are wrong. So pop over now and see if you think that I am petrified of the Hoover or if in my 30s I still have a comfort blanket or whether or not I am allergic to mushrooms. So over to you, go and vote. So by now you should have voted. I wonder if you were right or if you were wrong. I can't wait actually to ask Andrew to see what the results were. But hopefully you now know me a little bit better. The theme for this whole weekend is vision. And the meaning of vision is really quite key to what we're going to be talking about both tonight and also Sunday night in our talks. So to help us, I have got um, a definition which I find in the dictionary of what vision is. So it says in my dictionary that vision is the ability to see and to be seen. Vision is the ability to see and be seen. And the activity that we just did there with whether um, about getting to know me a little bit more was helping you to see me um, and also for me to be seen by you. You got to get to know me a little bit better and I got to share with you some information that I wanted you to see, that I wanted you to know about me. And that's like life, isn't it? We build relationships, we build friendships, with lots of different people and the information that we share with them is information that we want them to know and the information that we give to other people helps them not only get to know us but form an opinion on who we are. You see, what people know about us is really important and how we see ourselves is even more important. And that's what we're going to be looking at in tonight's talk. How do we see ourselves and how does God see us? How do we see ourselves and how does God see us? So how we see the world actually shapes our opinion on things. And depending on what we see on social media or in the news, or who our friends and family are, how we view a situation could look different. You see, there could be a situation happening and everybody will have a different view of the situation, of what's going on and how to help. Everybody has a different vision and a different opinion of how to get out of it or how to work through it best. You see it all the time in the news. In fact, if you switch on the news today, there's probably quite a lot of stuff going on with the 2020 situation, which I'm not going to mention. That everybody sees the same situation, but has a different opinion of what should happen. I want to give you an example of this that happened in 1991. And I know that you guys were not born yet, but you are still debating this today. It captured the hearts of a nation 
and we are still debating it today. In fact, back in 1991, the two different sides who viewed the situation so differently actually started to violently protest because they felt so passionately about what they believed in. There were workplace strikes, there were road blockages, there were people who um, refused um, to, um, to acknowledge another person's point of view. And it again is something that I know for a fact that you guys are debating today and you have debated as part of Youth Fellowship. I'm going to tell you what the situation was. I think it might surprise you. Basically, the huge debate that captured the heart of the UK nation was this. It involved Jaffa Cakes. They protested as to whether or not Jaffa Cakes should be classed as a cake or a biscuit. And people felt so passionately about these little spongy orangey delights that they actually violently protested to, like, to their point of whether it was a cake or a biscuit. I wonder what your thoughts on this are. So, I, because I really want to know, we're going to pop over to Instagram again and there's another poll. And I would love it if you could tell me what you think Jaffa Cakes are. Are they a cake or are they a biscuit? Over to you, you can go and vote now. Do you wanna know what the court ruled in 1991? Uh, maybe you're right. They ruled in favor of McVitie's, classing Jaffa Cakes as a biscuit due to their size and the occasions in which you would actually eat one. And the outcome of that was that they didn't have to pay sugar tax. Um, in 1991, there was a government ruling which meant that anything that any cake covered in chocolate would have to pay a sugar tax, but a biscuit with chocolate on it didn't. And so therefore the ruling meant that Jaffa cakes, the consequence of them being called a biscuit meant that they kept their affordable price and the nation rejoiced and we were able to eat our yummy chocolatey orangey biscuits with our tea once again and it was great. Now regardless of whether or not you are a Jaffa cake or a Jaffa biscuit person, you are going to come up against people who view the same situation that you are seeing in a different way. And how we view things in the world is really important. But actually, in order for us to view things in the world, and in order for us to have an opinion which matters in the world, we need to know how we view ourselves. That's so, so important. And so tonight, that's what we're looking at. We're looking at how we see ourselves and how God sees us. So let's delve in to how God sees you and how God sees me. So in order for us to know what God thinks of us, we're going to open the scriptures. Now, if you've heard me talk before, you will know how much I love the Bible. I love the fact that absolutely everything in it was true. It was fact and it was God breathed. And that for me is so, so exciting. And tonight our passage that we're looking at is in 1 Samuel. It's in the Old Testament and it's 
the first time that we meet one of my absolute biblical heroes ever. It's the first time that we are going to meet King David, or David as he was known in 1 Samuel. And for some of you guys who are maybe going, mm, I've heard that name before, but I'm just not quite sure who David is. David is the bloke who like knocked out Goliath with, you know, the stones. Goliath. That's David. David and Goliath. So that's the David that we're going to look at. And this passage that we're going to read, we're going to meet several people, but there's three people I want you to pay special attention to. You're going to, find, you're going to meet the prophet Samuel, who the book is named after. And this guy Samuel has been appointed to find the next king of Israel. So Samuel has a pretty important job to do. He's on the lookout for a king. So that's Samuel. You're also going to meet Jesse. So that's our second person, Samuel, then Jesse. And Jesse is David's father. And then the thirdly, we're going to meet the big man David himself. Woo! How exciting! I'm excited. So, what has happened before we read this passage in 1 Samuel? It's important to know that Israel has no king at the moment. God has rejected King Saul as king. So Saul is no longer king. Saul had some questionable life choices, shall we say? which meant that he was unfit to be the ruler or the king of God's people. So he's gone and enters prophet Samuel with an anointing from God to go and pick the next king. And we're going to read this from 1 Samuel 16 verses 1 to 13. 1 Samuel 16 verses 1 to 13. So if you've got your Bible handy, you can look it up or with the power of technology. I'm so excited about this. This is what Andrew has to do. He's got the like editing withery thing. The words will come up on the screen. So you won't see this face, but you will see the words of the scripture. So let's dive in. 1 Samuel 16, 1 to 13. And this is what it says. God addressed Samuel. So how long are you going to mope over Saul? You know that I've rejected him as king over Israel. Now fill your flask with anointing oil and get going. I'm sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I've spotted the very king I want among his sons. Oh, I can't do that, said Samuel. Saul will hear about it and kill me. And God said, Take a heifer with you and announce, I've come to lead you in worship of God with this heifer as a sacrifice. Make sure Jesse gets invited. I'll let you know what to do next. I'll point out the one that you're to anoint. So Samuel did what God told him. And when he arrived at Bethlehem, the town fathers greeted him, but apprehensively greeted him and said, is there something wrong? No, said Samuel, nothing's wrong. I've come to sacrifice this heifer and to lead you in worship of God. Prepare yourselves to be consecrated and to join me in worship. And he made sure that Jesse and his sons were also consecrated and called to worship. 
And when they arrived, Samuel took one look at Elab and thought, here, that's who God wants to be king. That is God's anointed one. But God told Samuel, looks aren't everything, Samuel. Don't be impressed with his looks and stature. I've already eliminated him. God judges people differently than humans do. Men and women look at the face, but God looks at the heart. So Jesse then ended up at Abinadab and presented him to Samuel. And Samuel said, this man isn't God's choice either. And next Jesse presented Shammah and Samuel said, no, this man isn't him either. And Jesse presented one after the other after the other. He presented seven sons to Samuel and Samuel each time was blunt with Jesse. Nope. God hasn't chosen any of these ones either. And then he asked Jesse, is this it? Are there no more sons? Well, yes, said Jesse. There's the runt, but he's like tending sheep. Samuel ordered Jesse at once, go and get him. We're not moving from this spot until he is here. And Jesse sent for him. He was brought in the very picture of health bright-eyed and good-looking and God said up on your feet Samuel anoint him this is the one and Samuel took his flask of oil and anointed him with his brother standing around watching the spirit of God entered David like a rush of wind and God vitally empowered him for the rest of his life and Samuel left and went home so Little overview of what's happened there. Remember, we have three people that we were watching out for. We had the prophet Samuel, we had Jesse, and we also had David. So Saul has been rejected by God because he was not doing um, or living the way that God needed him to live to be a king. So he has been rejected. And Samuel has been appointed to go and visit Jesse in Bethlehem in order for them to find a king. And Jesse had seven amazing sons that Jesse had prepped to meet David. See, Jesse knew that this was going to happen. One of his sons was going to be appointed. There's a huge honour of being king of Israel. And so he showed his first son and he was good looking. He was strong. He looked like a king. And Samuel even was like, wow, good looking bloke. I think you should be king. But God said, no. So off he went and the next person came in and he was strong. He was mighty. He looked like he had the strength of someone who could like command an army. And Samuel looked at him and was like, mm, yeah, strong. Looks like he could command an army. That looks like a king. And God went, no, it's not him. So off went the second son. And then the next one came in and did his kingly thing. And it was a no, 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 no. Until all seven sons that were waiting had been eliminated. And then Samuel had to ask Jesse, look, do you have any other sons? And Jesse was like, well, yeah, we have one. But like he's a runt, like literally... He's about this size, skinny. I mean, he's just a shepherd. Like he just looks after the sheep. 
and like sheep, they're not hard work, are they? Like he's he's really nothing. You don't want him. Let me present you the other seven. And because I think that you know they're strong and they're good looking, you know they're going to be good. But Samuel had had God's wisdom on his side. And he went, no, bring me the other son. And so then Jesse had to run off and go and get his son. And then in will have walked little, little David, little David. And at once Samuel was able to see that, yes, this is going to be the king of Israel. He was going to be the leader. And so the anointing oil came out and they anointed David. And the spirit of God fell upon him and he was ready he was ready with God's presence and God's power to lead the people. How exciting is that? It's so exciting. And the key thing in all of this is, it's found in one of the earlier verses in, Sam, in first, first Samuel 16 verse 7. The key nugget of truth here is, is that actually man, you and I, whoever's watching, we judge people from the outside appearance, but God looks at the heart. And Samuel, at a very younger, very young age, knew who he was. He knew that answer. He knew that his identity was rooted in a solid relationship with God. And David discovered that God truly is the creator, the definer, and the he knew that it didn't matter what he did in school or with his friends or what he posted on social media. He knew that that didn't matter to God. Actually, what mattered was who he was in Christ. Who he was in Christ. So let me ask you, where you are in your bedroom, your living room, wherever you are listening, who are you? Who are you? And if you have your notebook and your pen handy, it might be helpful to start jotting some words down of how you view yourself. Because how you view yourself is so important. It affects how we view the spaces and places and friends around us. And if we know that we are empowered with God's love, like David did, Actually, what we then outpour to the spaces and places that we're in is, is God's love. But if we view ourselves negatively, actually that's how we're going to see the world. We're going to see the world negatively. And that's not what God has for us. And actually, quite frankly, that's not what you, like I want for you guys or what your leaders want for you. And I know that some of you will be sitting at home right now frustrated or confused by the question that I've asked. Who are you? You're gonna be frustrated with that. And if that is you, if there's something triggering you, which is angering you or frustrating with you, that is a little hint, a little clue for you guys that you should be reaching out to your leaders. And I know Andrew, Andrew's one of my best friends, but also I know your fabulous team of youth leaders as well. And I know that they would love nothing more than to spend some time with you guys trying to figure that out. They care for you, they support you, they're praying for you, and they want to make sure that you guys are supported 
in whatever you're working through. So reach out to one of your leaders. They're not going to tell you the answer, but they will support you in the journey of you figuring it out. The passage that we have read teaches us how God sees us. It doesn't teach us how the world sees us. In fact, it completely tells us not to judge ourselves by how the world sees us or expects us to be. In the passage, God chose a king, which on the outside wasn't what the world expected. He wasn't good looking, he wasn't strong. He didn't have the confidence to command a huge army. He wasn't what was expected of a king. But God saw David's heart and knew he was the right bloke for the job. David knew who he was. He knew his strengths, he knew his weaknesses, and he knew he wasn't perfect. But he knew his identity was in Christ and he knew he was made for a purpose because Christ had made him and he was there to make a difference. Guys, I want you guys to know that you are also like David. You have been created by God. You are loved so aboundingly by God and you're also made for a purpose. You guys of Ballygowan Youth are made to make a difference wherever you are at right now. And you may not know what that looks like and that's okay, but you have safe spaces and resources which can help you figure that out. And the theme for this weekend is vision. And we've already looked at the start of this, that that's the ability to see and also to be seen. The ability to see and be seen. So at the start, at the very beginning of this youth weekend, I want you to know that you're not only seen by God, but how you see the world has the capability of making a massive positive difference. A massive positive difference. And if you choose this journey with God, if you choose to live your life with him by your side, you have the incredible opportunity to make kingdom difference in this world. Kingdom difference. So I'm coming now in for a land. And I'm going to pray for us. But if you're sitting there and as you were writing down words of who you are and you were getting triggered by some of the things I were saying, I would love it as I pray if you put your hand on your heart as I pray. Because I want to pray for you guys specifically. Or if you're someone that whenever I said that you were born to make a difference, that sparked an energy in you, can you also put your hand on your heart as I pray? You see, in our passage um, today, um, Samuel, he anointed um, David for works. And so what I want to do is just ask God to anoint each and every person in Ballygon Youth, whether you're a leader or a young person, to do what God's mission is for you in your life. So let's pray for you guys. So if you are if you want prayer, you put your hand on your heart. And remember that if anything at all has triggered you in this talk, to reach out to Andrew or to one of your other leaders for support. So let me, let me pray. Let me pray. Lord, I thank you for Ballygon Youth. And I thank you for the space that they have 
to learn about you and to grow. I thank you for that safe space. And Lord, for the young people who are unsure, unhappy about who they are, Lord, I just pray, Holy Spirit, that you will just fall upon them now where they're at and that, Lord, that they will feel your presence so close right now. Yes, Lord, I just thank you for who they are and I just pray for your presence to fall on them. And for those, Lord, who feel that they are made for a massive difference, I, I love that and I say yes and I meant that. But also, Lord, I pray for you to anoint them for works of service, that you fill them with hopes, that you fill them with dreams, that you fill them with the desires of your heart. And Lord, we pray for the leaders of Balagan. We thank you for them and we just pray, Lord, um, for wisdom as they continue to build relationships with the young people here, part of Balagan. See you we hope and pray that you've been encouraged by this teaching. For more information on our youth ministry, you can visit us at or check us out on social media at Ballygown Youth.